church. Y'all doing all right this morning? Come on. Listen, you know, a lot of pastors save the best for last, but I never do that. I give my very best to the people who get here first. Come on, give it up for yourself. We're getting up here. 8.30, super excited to see you. For those of you who may be new or maybe visiting, uh, maybe you connected with us on Easter. My name's Stephen, and I'm one of the pastors here. You are here really on a very special weekend. Anytime we open up a brand new series, it's a great time to get into a small group. I wanna encourage you, if you haven't done that already, you can download the Vintage Church app and you can search a group next to you. As a matter of fact, we're gonna be covering a lot of really practical things for your life. How many of you know, or it should be this way, what you learn on Sunday at church, you should be able to use on Monday in life. Isn't that right? That's how it should be. And this, this series is gonna be very, very practical, lots of content. It is a great idea for you to jump into a small group where you can have a little, a little more space uh, to really dig deeper into the content that we discuss here. Uh, you also can pick up a small group study guide if you wanna discuss uh, different things with your family around the dinner table. Before we jump into this new series, I wanna personally invite you, if you are just connecting to Vintage Church and you have not attended the new members event, I would love to personally invite you. As a matter of fact, it just so happens we have one today after the 1115 service. Have you heard about it? We've been talking about it a ton. Matter of fact, we completely transformed this room. It's a great time for us to really face each other and connect. It's really hard in an environment like this. Your face can be built by God's word, but it's difficult to really connect with other people and ask questions and learn more about what we're about and, and how you can get involved. And so we use that place there uh, for you to do that. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to sign up. Why don't you just come on? We'll take care of your kids and we'll have a great meal for you there promptly at 1245 in this room. I'd love to see you there. So over the next eight weeks, we're going to open up God's word uh, and we're going to discuss a lot of topics that quite frankly, a lot of people disassociate with being spiritual or disassociate with spiritual things. We're going to be learning how to deal with how we feel. How many of you guys, for better or for worse, like you've, you've, you've encountered situations where you've, you, you've got feelings and you're, you're trying to figure them out and you're not really sure the best way to channel them, especially in our world. You know, maybe you turn on the news or you hear something in an article or, or something catches you the wrong way and you're just not really sure like, well, what's the Christian way to deal with the emotions that I have attached to that? Well, this series is really for you. As a matter of fact, what we're going to do today is I'm going to lay out really a foundation that we're going to use for the rest of our time together. And then week in, week in and week out, we're going to take a look at specific emotions. We're going to take a look at what the Bible has to say about them, and then we're going to grow together. So we're going to jump into today. This foundational message is entitled The Truth. Everyone say truth. The truth about Feelings, the truth about feelings. Our key passage for our entire series is found in Mark chapter 12. Jesus is asked uh, previously in that chapter, what is the greatest commandment? Like, could you sum it all up? And he says this. He says, the most important commandment is this. By the way, anytime you see uh, in scripture, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Bible calls Jesus the word made flesh. Anytime he opens up a sentence by the most important commandment is this, Here's what I would encourage you to do, that, because it's really, really good. Here's what Jesus says. He says, you must love the Lord with all your heart, 
with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. This is actually known, this is an ancient prayer that rabbis would pray and Jewish people would pray several times during the day to make sure that they reoriented themselves to God first. Listen to the emotion in that passage. It's like Jesus is saying, I don't want you to just say I love you, God, but I want you to love him passionately with everything that you have. Did you know that we are encouraged several times throughout scripture to love God with every single part of our life, not just the hour that we hang out in church, not just those moments where we feel like it, but our entire life. Did you know that God wants to have a powerful connection to you, an emotional connection to you? Here's the big idea as it relates to our feelings and our relationship with God. When we keep our emotions in the proper context, our feelings can actually draw us closer to God closer to others, and actually can propel us into God's plan for our life. However, we're going to learn in this series, when we allow ourselves, like much of culture has, to be trapped and to allow our feelings in the driver's seat, what ends up happening is the opposite. We actually move further away from God and isolate people. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go throughout this series, and we're going to get the Bible's, God's mind, on emotions. There's a lot of people that have a lot of opinions about what you and I shouldn't do. Just put something on Facebook and you'll quickly see, you'll have one side that says, go for it. The other side, you should be more Christian, right? But what does the Bible actually say in regard to how you and I interact in our emotional life? Well, there's a few things that we've got to kind of lay the groundwork on in understanding our emotions. The first thing is this, if you're taking notes, emotions are neutral. Write that down. Okay, they are neither good nor bad. We're gonna discuss that a little bit more in just a moment, but I want you to consider fire. You know, fire has done some pretty great things. For example, uh, fire allows you to eat food that you otherwise couldn't eat, right? Fire allows you to stay warm when it's freezing outside. However, fire, when used improperly, when not attended to, when allowed to burn unsupervised, what does fire do as well? Fire can also destroy. You know, emotions are a lot like that. They're neither good nor bad. They just are. It's how you and I use them or rather leverage them that makes them good or bad. You know, I, I, I'm actually on the emotional side uh, of this issue. I'm a pretty passionate guy. And I've had to learn over time, right, to make sure that my emotions are in healthy parameters, or in healthy channels, because when emotion is channeled correctly, right, a God can actually use them mightily. The next thing that we need to know about emotions is God has emotions, okay? This is important because you need to understand you were created in the image of God. Did you know that God has emotions? It's difficult to read the Bible for more than five minutes and not see a God that has emotions. I love this passage in Hebrews 4. 15, speaking of Jesus, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all, I wouldn't say all. In the Hebrew, that word all means all. It means all. In every way, okay, Jesus, right? In every way, 
He was tempted as we are, yet without sin. So when we see Jesus, when we lead into what the Bible teaches us, that's the right way to interact emotionally. You know, a lot of people like to put Jesus in this box. Have you guys ever seen a Renaissance painting of Jesus? Right, he's very apathetic looking, kind of stern. Every now and then they'll put a little sheep in his hand. And it's always interesting to me because he was a Jewish rabbi in the first century, and yet his skin is white and his eyes are blue. I just, I don't, I I never really understood that. I think they were kind of maybe projecting some of their own culture into those pictures. But you kind of, but if you look at the art and you you look at much of what culture depicts Jesus as being, is it's this very one-dimensional person, right? It's this very like, he he just, it's, it's always the same all the time. And yet when you read scripture, if you're being really, really honest, yes, there were times when Jesus looked at a crowd. And the Bible says he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Great compassion. There were even moments where little kids ran up to Jesus. No little kid's ever going to run up to the Renaissance Jesus. Come on. It ain't going to happen. But he was full of life. He was a pleasant person to be around. And yet that same Jesus that had compassion on the crowds and welcomed little kids also sat down methodically, braided a whip, and whipped out the money changers in the temple. That same Jesus, look at the spectrum of those emotions, right? What was different about Jesus? Jesus said he never did anything he didn't see the Father doing. In other words, all of Jesus' emotions, unlike most of ours, were actually tethered or anchored to God's will and God's purpose. Did you know that we can actually live an effectual life for God as long as we tether our emotional life to his Word. Here's the next thing that we see about emotions. Emotions are a gift. Everyone say gift. They are a gift from God. It doesn't always seem that way, though, because you and I are aware of the future. We have consciousness, meaning that we also have anxiety. I heard somebody say this. He was a, a clinical psychologist, and he said, it's, it's not really surprising. Listen, it's not really surprising to me when I have patients come in and they're absolutely anxious outside of their mind. I mean, they're always worrying, they're up all night. What the true miracle is, why aren't we all that way? You know what I mean? There's something about this gift from God that when channeled correctly can be used big time in our life. So when dealing with emotions, okay, we, we see this here. God has emotions, they're neutral, they're neither good or bad. God has them. He gives them to us as a gift, and our choice is how we use them. I want to talk to you about avoiding two extremes. Write that down, because this is going to be an undergird of our conversation, okay? Okay, have you guys ever, has anybody, has any of you ever gotten stuck in a ditch? Nobody's gotten stuck in a ditch? This is Texas, y'all. Y'all need to go driving in the country. (laughs) Have you ever, like, swerved and maybe, like, went off the road ever? Any off-roaders? Have you ever come out here in the parking lot when it's empty and done donuts? Anybody, we're looking for you. Where are you? (laughs) Ditches are no fun. They're not fun to dig, and they're certainly not fun to crash in. Why? Because they take us off the path. It's incredibly inconvenient when you go into a ditch. Did you know that ditches in life, just like on the road, are not good either? By the way, anybody that tries to push you far right or push you far left, they are trying to run you into a ditch. As we're talking about emotions, there are a couple ditches you need to understand. There are a couple ditches that you want with everything in you to try to avoid. The first one is emotionalism. This is what emotionalism says. Emotionalism says, how I feel is everything. Emotionalism says it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what's right or wrong. If I feel it, it must be true. 
Emotionalism puts more weight in how you feel than even reality itself. Emotionalism might lead, right, a biological male who feels like a female to say that that's his new reality. That's the idea of allowing your emotions to drive you. And I'm going to tell you, they will always drive you into a ditch when they are not anchored to reality. When they're not anchored to the created purpose of Scripture. Emotionalism says that all that matters is doing what I feel. You better not get in my way. If I feel it, I'm going to do it. If it feels true, it's my truth regardless of the truth. The other extreme, though, I don't think is much better. The other extreme is called stoicism, and stoicism says how I feel is nothing. That is the other, that is the other ditch. Stoicism is the exact opposite of emotionalism. It basically says feelings are irrelevant, unimportant, right? It's a trap that says the only thing that matters is your intellect, your will, and your volition. And as a result, I'm going to tell you, that intellect goes up and you begin to worship it. It becomes an idol, and you guys might, might see stoicism. How many of you guys ever watched Star Trek, you know? Spock, you guys remember Spock? Anybody? Spock? Stoicism's kind of like Spock. It's everything's just rational, right? All there is is all that you see. You can never, ever rely on anything that you feel like discernment, <laughs> like that feeling that you're like, I just don't think that's going to end well. It's all about the facts on the ground. You know, as a pastor, I, I, I counsel a lot of people. Uh, as a matter of fact, rarely does anybody call me just to say hi. Usually they call me because they're battled, especially if it's a cu married couple. If you're a married couple in here, this, this series is going to really, really help you. If you've got a volatile child or maybe someone who, a kid that, re, that kind of comes back, if maybe you're, you're, you're battling it out, you know, as a couple trying to figure some things out, this series is going to be really, really good for you. And a lot of times what happens is I'll have couples come in and, and see, they made the mistake of thinking that they got married to be happy. Anybody? Really, they got married so that they could get better. By the way, it's in us getting better. It's in us contending with each other as married people that we actually do get better. And incidentally, when we get better, we're happier. I don't know what it is about that, but that's what happens. But they'll come in and they'll be so frustrated. And usually, I don't know what it is, but opposites seem to attract. <laughs> that is. It's like, it's, like, it's like God said, you know, there's something that you need as a husband or a wife that you can't get on your own. So I'm gonna match you with this other person who's really just as messed up with you, just in another ditch. And I'm gonna let you two contend with each other till you figure it out. By the way, that is literally God's will for marriage, that you and I, right, as married couples, like we would contend and as a result, the health that we find would flow into our churches and into our governments and into our world. By the way, every problem that we face is first a sin problem in our own heart. Right? Then it works its way out. If we had stronger families, we wouldn't put up with all this nonsense and culture all the time. I'm just saying, the breakdown started in the family. But Stoicism says that how you feel is nothing. It's irrelevant. We'll have two different people come into counseling. And uh, we love to do a, a personality assessment here. It's a temperament assessment. It's not really determinative. But it does kind of allow individuals to, to really kind of understand and give language to their uh, personalities. As a matter of fact, we do this uh, throughout uh, our membership. If you guys haven't been here, we do this through our membership course as well. And then we also are launching a marriage and family discipleship course later this summer. You're probably gonna hear about it in the next couple of weeks where we take couples through this assessment. It's called the DISC. I don't know if you've ever heard of the DISC. It's four letters, D-I-S-C. And it's interesting because all of us are one of those dominantly 
And then we're kind of a second one pretty closely. And then the other two, well, we're just working on it. And it's interesting when you take a look at D-I-S-C, D and I are all extroverted qualities, okay? They tend, if not, if not managed correctly, to fall into emotionalism, and then S and C fall into stoicism. And it's interesting when you understand your temperament how you can actually allow other people to compliment you. But listen, there's two ditches. Emotionalism's a ditch and stoicism's a ditch. Your emotions matter. They're just not everything in your life. So I want to talk to you about the truth biblically about feelings. We're going to break down some ideas. I have lots of ordered lists today. I'm really excited. They're like my favorite. Okay, because I think it's helpful for us to kind of have a line to refer back to. This is why it's important that you take notes. Like we put those in your bulletins every single week so that you'll take notes. It's also important that you download the app. You can email some things to you because I believe God's gonna speak to you as you kind of discover, right? Or for some of you, maybe rediscover uh, how to relate in a healthy way towards your feelings. Here's some truth about feelings, okay? There's four that I wanna highlight here. The first is our feelings are often unreliable. Have you noticed that feelings just, when they're there, they're, they're there, and when they're not, they're not, and you don't really know when they're gonna show up and when they're not. Feelings are often untrustworthy. Our intuition is often flawed. Our emotions can lead us down a blind Allie, you and I, especially as believers in scripture, we're taught not to depend solely on how we feel. Proverbs 14, 12 says it this way. There is a way that seems mm, or feels right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Have any of you ever done something that felt right in the moment only to realize it was the worst thing you could have possibly have done later? Never, you've never made an impulse buy. You've never done anything, said anything that you regretted. Nobody, nobody. For you Stoics in here, you're all mature. Sometimes you need to say some things that you're not saying and not be so resentful. Come on, somebody, anyways. <laughs> you know, they're unreliable because oftentimes our emotions are governed by nurture, right? Right? They're governed by our family of origin. They're governed by our experiences. But by the way, uh, contrary to rumor, there have been other human beings that have lived before you that have discovered some pretty good things. And when we act on our feelings, what happens is we're acting with pinpoint accuracy when there's no way we can be accurate. Does that make sense? We're literally eliminating every other option and we're doing what feels good. You know, I remember growing up, I grew up in a, a very, very poor home where we literally had money for almost nothing, including groceries. Like I used to remember, I'm one 512th Cherokee Indian, by the way. You all knew that? I am. I'm very proud of that point. I have a card that says it. We're growing up, growing up, the Cherokee Indians would actually uh, give us food, but they were white cans with no printing on the label. So it was like a mystery surprise every, every time, you know? Sometimes it'd be peanut butter, sometimes it'd be peaches or something, you know? And, and I grew up very, very poor. And I remember going to the mall and I would look at something that I wanted and my mom would say, no, we can't afford that. 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 You know what I said in my mind? I said, one day I'll be able to. So then I grew up, married a smoking hot little lady <laughs> named Kyla. She went into medical school. She's a doctor. So guess what now? I can walk down that store and you know what? I can get whatever I want. Until the credit card bill comes back. You see what I'm saying? Like, you know, we got to be careful because our mother, this is the second thing. It's important. Our feelings can be manipulated. This is what's so important. 
There are entire industries dedicated to manipulating how you feel. And if you don't learn to manage your emotions, you're gonna constantly be manipulated into doing things like buying a jet ski. Why would anybody ever do that? And then letting pastors drive it and crash it. Come on, somebody, anybody. (laughs) Preaching to myself a little bit to 830. I need to control my emotions. Marketers and advertisers are trained to stir up your emotions because they know that if they can get you hooked emotionally, you're going to buy their product. Just think about the last 17 things you bought off an Instagram ad. Come on, be honest. Proverbs, the wisest man ever wrote this in Proverbs 25, 28. Like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man or woman who has no control over his spirit. Solomon's talking about their emotions. They can't control their emotions. It's like being vulnerable all the time. There's no protection. There's no walls. The person that has no check on their feelings is a person that constantly gets manipulated. The next reason, the next truth rather of our feelings is our feelings seek to control us. I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but the apostle Paul talks a lot about this in the book of Romans where he's constantly at war with this part of himself that, that is called the flesh. And it's, he's constantly at war with his desires. And, and, and you give your life to Christ and you, you have a new spirit, you're born again, but that spirit begins to contend with your feelings. Did you know that your feelings literally, if left unchecked, they have a mind and a desire of their own and it never goes towards God. It always goes away from him. God cannot be God in my life if, the emotions, my, if my emotions are the God of my life. Romans 8, 6 and 8 says this, to be controlled by human nature results in death, but to be controlled by the spirit results in life and peace. Everyone say peace. For some of you, you're gonna get a lot of peace as you learn God's mind on this subject. Those who obey their human nature cannot please God. The next thing I wanna talk about is our feelings uncontrolled will ruin our lives. I've watched this. I've watched this as a pastor. I just felt like it. I just felt like it. And time and time again, they end up in this ditch and the rut gets so dug out that it absolutely ruins their life. And not just their life, but even the people that are connected to their life. I was reading a study. As a matter of fact, this has been shown in several studies. They show that your EQ or your emotional intelligence or your emotional quotient is in many cases just as important as your IQ or how intelligent you are. In business and life, your emotional quotient is far more valuable many times than how smart you are. A lot of people who don't have a high Q are still very successful in life. Why? Because they develop great skills in how to tame their emotions. Solomon says what these studies show in Proverbs 5.23, they get lost and die because of their foolishness and lack of control. The Apostle, Paul, the Apostle Peter rather says this to Christians in 1 Peter 4.2. From now on, you must live the rest of your earthly lives, look at this, controlled by God's will and not by human desires. This is what is going to make the biggest difference in your life. Realizing that your feelings are a gift from God, but they are not made by God to rule your life. Only God's word is. So here's what I wanna do for the next seven minutes. I might even take a couple. I let you all off the hook last week. I might take a couple of those minutes back. I wanna talk to you about how you deal with or how you manage unwanted feelings. How many of you, be honest, in the moment, you get flustered. In the moment, something happens that you didn't expect and you're flooded with emotions. Okay, I spent 
a big portion of my life allowing those moments to sabotage relationships, allowing those moments to actually hurt the people I love the most. And I've spent equal time learning how to bring those under God's word. And I wanna walk you through a process that I think you're gonna need to use, right, for the entire series, I believe for your entire life, that's worked incredibly well for me. Matter of fact, I could probably save you all kinds of money in counseling, okay, just by this process that you can walk through. The first thing that you've gotta do to manage an unwanted feeling is you must give it a name. You've got to name it. Whatever you leave in the fog, you can't deal with it. Whatever you deny, you can't deal with it. But when you name it, all of a sudden, you can do something about it. The first thing that you've gotta do when dealing with an unwanted emotion is to give it a name. You put a name on it. What does it mean? You identify it. You can only change, control, and manage something that you have identified. Is it anger you're feeling? Is it fear? There's just something about stopping and calling it what it is that really, really helps. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but I feel like David. He wrote this in Psalm 55 too. He said, my thoughts are restless and I am confused. Has anybody ever felt like David? Aren't you glad that like we have those kind of statements in the Bible? Not just like the faith statements, but also the ones that are just deeply honest, right? He says, man, sometimes it's like, I, I, I can't even think straight. I'm confused. That's the way we are a lot of times about our feelings. We're confused or we're trapped, right? I remember years ago, I had to deal with anger. I still deal with it regularly. How many of you kind of have a little angry temperament? Anybody? <laughs> Don't lie. You got a lying temperament. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I had to realize that almost every time I got angry was the result of a fear, insecurity. For my, personal, uh, for my personality type, it's the fear of being taken advantage of. When people don't reciprocate, that really, really bothers me. I'm a justice guy, but sometimes I put my justice over God's justice, and it doesn't end well for me. I had to start naming, okay, yeah, I'm angry, but really I'm insecure because of something I'm believing about that person. You have to name it. The next thing you've got to do, it's not just enough to give it a name. The next thing you've got to do is you've got to challenge it. So many of us, we allow feelings at any given moment to come into our life, and we just, we don't ever challenge them. We're like, well, by the way, they're real, but that doesn't mean they're true. There's a difference. There's a, everything that's real isn't always true, and even everything that's real may be true, may not even be beneficial for you in that moment. Maybe that person really is a jerk, but the worst thing you can handle it is by going to jail. <laughs> Come on. Right? You and I have to challenge what we're feeling. This is important because this isn't about them. This is about me. Your mama said you're pointing a finger. There's three more fingers doing what? pointing right back at you. You should trust the one that's pointing up to God. Come on, I just added that. You're welcome, Grandma. You're welcome, Grandma. The scriptures say it this way. Look what, Psalm, look what the psalmist says in Psalms 26.2. Man, our, our lives will change if we do this more. It says, examine me. Didn't say examine them. He's praying. Hey, God, my judgments are not like your judgments. I don't always see everything that's going on. I don't always have every bit of information I need. So I need you. Examine me, O Lord. Look at this. Test me evaluate my inner thoughts and motives. I'm gonna give you three questions that I do every time I'm confronted with an unwanted feeling or emotion. There's three questions I ask really, really quick in my head. It happens really, really fast. When it doesn't happen, uh, I don't know. I usually have to de delete a Facebook post. Anybody? Okay. <laughs> the first one is this, three questions. What's the underlying reason that I'm feeling this? You are complicated. Don't oversimplify yourself. 
There are lots of motivations happening in you all the time. Have you ever snapped at one of your kids and it had nothing to do with them? Right? Maybe you kept bringing something home from work. Maybe something else. What is the real reason? Stop and just pause and ask, why am I really feeling this? The next thing you've got to ask, and this is very important, is what I'm feeling true? Is what I'm feeling right now true? Many of us believe lies about ourselves and about others. Is it true? By the way, you always judge somebody else by their actions. You judge yourself by your intentions. That's convenient, isn't it? The sin in you helps you see the best in you and the worst in everyone else. And most of the time, I can't think of almost one time where anything relational isn't somewhat gray in some way. Meaning it may be 99% they're a jerk, but you know what? I still have my 1%. Did you know you will not stand before God one day giving an account for their 99, but you will answer to God for your one. You've gotta be honest. Is it true? And then the next thing you've gotta ask yourself, and this is highly practical. This is very pragmatic. That's what I wanna give you. It means you can use it. It's like a tool you can put your hand around, right? Is what I'm feeling helping me or hurting me? Is what I'm feeling helping me or hurting me? Yes, the waitress is taking forever. Am I really gonna get it any faster being a jerk to her? You'll probably get it back with some spit in it. Come on. Think about that for a minute. You're on the other line with the telemarketer. We're meanest to people we have no accountability to, by the way. It's why we're hateful to each other in traffic. I can't tell you how many times somebody's cut me off in traffic and I've prayed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I pray that I bump into them in the Walmart line. And it's happened a couple of times. And I've looked at him and said, hey, you doing okay? Why? Well, because you almost ran me and my family off the road. Oh, oh, well, you know, my wife's sick, one guy said. I'm really stressed. I just came from an appointment. I had no idea what was going on. I felt blindsided. Do you see how we don't know everything that we think we know? And sometimes your first inclination to be aggressive and to be angry is not your best one. And if you'll just pause, right? You'll name it, right? You walk through that process, right? What's the real reason? Is what I'm feeling true? Is what I'm feeling helping me or hurting me? You've gotta be honest there. It's so important that you're honest there because you can never move to the final step. You ready? Taking notes, you ready? You got one more, come on, one more. You can never get to this place accurately if you skip the steps before. You can replace it. You can replace how you're feeling. In a moment, you just wanna burn it all down. Just breathe and wait 15 minutes and you'll feel totally different, I promise you. Just wait and breathe, you'll be able to replace it. To tame your emotions, you have to challenge them, right? And while you're experiencing an emotion, you've got to process through, but ultimately you've got to replace it. And by the way, a couple things I want you to think about as we close. Sometimes we need to change what we're feeling. Sometimes what you're feeling is wrong. Most of the time it is, and you just need to change it. Is everyone really like that? Probably not. Are, are the, is the person who ticked you off a lot more like you than you're giving them credit for? Yes, right? If the roles were reversed, what would it look like? Sometimes you have to change it, but sometimes things happen to you and they create feelings. Maybe it's something in your childhood. Maybe it's something horrible that happened to you. Maybe they're a victim in some way. You, instead of changing what you're feeling, sometimes we need to channel what we're feeling. Write that down. Sometimes... We can't change it. We can't change what happened, but we can channel those feelings. The Bible actually calls this redemption. It's actually redemption. Maybe you were hurt as a kid. 
Maybe somebody did something to you that was absolutely wrong. You know, a lot of people shaking their finger about all the things they want other people to change. If they would actually just be the change themselves, by the way, that's channeling it. Did you know God could take something that happened in your past and use you to do something big about it in the future to make sure it doesn't happen to anybody else? He can take an abusive situation in the past and he can use it, right, to move you forward in your purpose and your mission. As a matter of fact, a lot of our purpose in life, we're gonna talk more about this later in the series. A lot of our purpose in life actually comes from our pain. But because we haven't managed it well, right, we've never gotten to the place of redemption because we're still living in how we feel. Here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that as we progress through this series, some of us who have been just absolutely in a prison, maybe you're an extrovert and you're always exploding. We're gonna deal with that. Maybe you're in here and you're the kind of person that you don't say what needs to be said and as a result, you become resentful. You're mean, you're angry and you don't even know why. I believe that as we progress through this series, the Holy Spirit's gonna speak to you. If there was ever a time to be here, to literally commit as we go into a summer, we're gonna be around a lot of family. We're gonna need to learn how to manage our emotions. Come on, right? I believe it's this one. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for the power of your word. I thank you, God, for what you're doing in our church. I thank you, God, for the incredible season that we have. I thank you, Jesus, for people who wanna come to church at 8.30 to sit, to learn, to grow, I pray, Father, that as we continue to lean into your word, not our feelings, that, God, you'll you'll reveal things to us. I thank you, God, that you never tell us to do something that you don't empower and equip us to do. I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit to make the changes in our life that need to be made. Father, as heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I I also pray for anybody in here that may be far from you. There's no change possible in their life apart from surrendering their life to you. I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would bring them home today. As heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We're almost done. Maybe you're in here today and you say, Pastor, you know, you're, you're talking about emotions and feelings and you're opening up this book. And the truth is, I, I'm, not, I'm not living my life by that. I'm, I'm not following Jesus. Maybe you're in here and you've given your life to Christ at one point, but you're not following. And maybe you've never given your life to Christ. You've tried everything else. I can save you a lot of time and a lot of pain. 30 years following Jesus. He's never once let me down when I've applied his word, when I've leaned into him, the answer's always been there. Either way, you're far from God, you don't wanna be in a moment. I'm gonna pray for you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, or verse nine, verse 10, chapter 10, verse nine, that you don't have to clean yourself up before you come, but you do have to make a free will choice to give your life to him. It says you've gotta confess Jesus as Lord. You've gotta believe in your heart that what the Bible says about him is true that he conquered death, he went to the cross for your sins and defeated death in his resurrection, that that's what makes you right with God. And it's from that free will act of confessing with your mouth that you can begin to take steps toward him. For some of you in here, that's what you need to do. His heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna single you out. We're not gonna do anything weird. But I do think it's important between me, you and God, if you're in here and you're far from him and you don't wanna be, you acknowledge that. Pastor, will you pray for me? If that's you, would you just put your hand up halfway and put it right back down? I see hands, put them up, put them down, it's good. Just put your hands up. You're not the only one, by the way. You never are. Is there anybody here you say, Pastor, that's me. I want to get my life right. Is there anyone else before we change the order of the service? I'm far from God. I don't want to be. In a moment, we're going to pray a prayer. There were several hands that shot up all over the room. I want to encourage you, if you put your hand in the air, I want you to say this prayer just loud enough where you can hear it come out of your own mouth. It's really an act of surrender. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer based on this scripture, but I wanna make sure that you understand it's not my words, it's the words of scripture, it's the promise of Jesus. And I believe 
after this prayer, God's gonna meet you with the next step. We're gonna give you several next steps, but I believe God's gonna enable you to continue to take steps towards him. I believe your life's never gonna be the same. And church, all of our relationship with Jesus started or restarted based on a prayer like this, and we're gonna actually pray with those that raise their hand so as to encourage their faith as well. So let's pray this all together and mean it with everything we have. Everyone pray, Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, for living a perfect life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I believe that you are good and I believe that you're God. I believe on the third day you rose from the dead. I believe you defeated death to give me life. Today I choose life. Today I make you my Lord, my Savior, and my King. Today I'm yours. Lead me and guide me. Show me what's next. It's in your name that I pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for everybody who did that.